Welcome to Multidimensional. I'm your host, Christina Rice, aka Christina the Channel. And this is the place where we explore what it really means to be multidimensional. I am absolutely thrilled to introduce the first guest on the new iteration of the podcast here on Multidimensional. And this guest is somebody who has been on the podcast actually many times before, and someone who is very near and dear to my heart, my good friend, Kelly Scott. Many of you know Kelly well. You probably see her on my Instagram stories. She's one of my favorite travel buddies. A lot of you have met her if you've been to any in-person events I've thrown or retreats. Kelly is a professional chef based in South Orange County. She specializes in gluten-free diets and allergen-free cooking. She received professional training at the Culinary Institute of America while she was there. We actually had recorded a podcast many moons ago. Um, So she studied there. She has over seven years of experience in professional kitchens and restaurants and ended up deciding to create her own personal chef company, Kelly's Clean Kitchen, with a mission to help people learn how to become better home cooks. She shares so many incredible recipes. I honestly don't know how she does it. Well, she's an incredible chef, so she shares a ton of amazing recipes. She posts so many educational videos. She also has her own cookbook, The Basics of Cooking, which is not just a cookbook. It is a crash course in the fundamentals of cooking. I feel like everybody should have this in their homes, especially if you're learning how to cook. But even like I know how to cook, but I learned so, so much from that book. And it actually has a video course that goes along with it. So you get to like watch and and learn those real fundamentals from a professional chef. So it's like a video course plus the actual cookbook with recipes that you can make, of course. If you go to her website, kellyscleankitchen.com, link will be in the show notes. You will also find the link to her book. And if you use the code cooking15, C-O-O-K-I-N-G-1-5, you will get 15% off her ebook. She is also launching an online membership in March, so that's coming up or depending on when you listen to this, where she'll be doing monthly cooking classes, which I'm so excited about. I think that's such a great way to keep sharpening your skills, learn new recipes to, I mean, even just like doing that with friends or a partner. So I'm super excited about that. Again, everything you can find at kellyscleankitchen.com. She's on Instagram at Kelly's Clean Kitchen. She's on TikTok at Kelly's Clean Kitchen. And also if you search Kelly's Clean Kitchen on YouTube, you'll find her there. This was such a fun episode for me because I have had Kelly on many times before. Well, I've had her on other iterations of the podcast many times before. And I kind of wanted to approach this as if I had never had her on. And we got emotional like really fast, which I was not expecting. But when I thought about, you know, who some of the first guests I wanted to have on the show were, Kelly was really the first person that came to mind as somebody I wanted to, to launch this with, you know, for me, it's like, it's a rebirth obviously, but a very special thing of who do I want to be my very first guest. And we talk about this in the episode, but she has been with me through so much through every iteration <laughs> and has been such a massive support and an incredible friend. And it's been 
so beautiful to watch her and her own journey and everything that she has built. And I just, I mean, we have been through, we've been through a lot together. So it seemed only fitting to have her on as my first guest and as somebody who knows me better than most people. And as I feel like this new iteration of the show in many ways is an honoring of me and this community and how we have shifted and changed. I felt like for me, bringing her on as the first guest was also just an honoring of our relationship and an expression of gratitude for her being there for me and with me and supporting me through all of these changes. So she's incredible at what she does, like really, truly remarkable. I admire her so much. She works her little booty off to serve everybody, to show up for everybody. And she is just such an incredible friend and she has had an incredible life. And not only did I want to have her on because, you know, she's been such an amazing friend and really been with me through all of these different versions. But when we talk about multidimensionality, Kelly is somebody who I really, I really think of, she has had such an interesting life and she's you know, not even 30 yet. She has changed and transformed so many times and is somebody who really has so many different layers and dimensions to her. And that's one of the things I love about her is I always learn more things about her and I always see different sides and she reinvents herself all the time and she takes what life throws at her and she makes the best of it. And she has a really incredible story that's still being written. So I know you guys will enjoy this. Be sure to reach out to her if you do. And we'll go ahead and jump into this conversation with Kelly Scott. If there's one thing I literally can't live without, it is 100% my electrolytes. If you want to have your best year yet, it's time to get your hands on Element. If you're not already on the Element train, Electrolytes, I know a lot of people think are just for people that are like super active or like extreme athletes, at least I used to, until I started having all these random like symptoms that I thought were bigger health problems and I realized it was just an imbalance in electrolytes. So for me, if my electrolytes are imbalanced, first of all, I'll just feel like no matter how much water I drink, I am still thirsty. My skin will get really dry. I will get cravings, like hunger cravings, sugar cravings. My head will hurt. I'll get headaches. It just happened to me the other day. I forgot to drink electrolytes and I was getting really cranky and had a headache. And my friend was like, you need some element. So fixed all that. Um, also random cramps. And for me waking up in the middle of the night as well, when you are eating a whole foods based diet, yes, a low carb diet, but even when you're just eating a whole foods based diet, it's easy for your electrolytes to get out of balance. Also, as we are moving through this ascension process and going through a lot of upgrades and when you're doing a lot of frequency work, uh, you know, for me, I do a lot of channeling and energy healing and I also recommend this for everybody I train in that. But when you're just doing a lot of like personal development work and energy work with in yourself, you are burning through a lot of lights and it's really easy to get those electrolytes out of balance. So you might notice your water needs go up and also your electrolyte needs uh, go up as well. Most electrolytes have sugar, artificial ingredients, coloring, that's totally unnecessary. And I also think a lot of them taste really fake. I love the taste of Element. I think they taste incredible 
you can start with like just a quarter of a packet or even half a packet and then work your way up. There is a reason why so many professional NFL teams and NBA teams utilize Element. They really work. You'll notice a difference. Like I have tried other electrolytes and I do not feel the difference the way I do with Element. My current most used flavors have been the watermelon salt and the grapefruit salt. I, I go through phases with all of them. And then the chocolate caramel forever a fave for putting into any like warm beverage. This is great as something to sweeten your coffee without like extra crap in it. It's great for like any hot chocolate to kind of sweeten it up. Always bring this on travel into coffee shops. So I'm not using those gross syrups. So Element is hooking up our community with a special offer. If you go to drinkelement.com slash CTC, that's spelled D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T, dot com slash ctc you can get an element sample pack for the cost of just shipping so it's a great way to just you know get more and try out different flavors each sample pack contains eight packets so two citrus two raspberry two orange and two raw unflavored element has a no questions asked refund policy they have less than a 0.5 percent return rate they just have like amazing customer service and if you don't like it let their customer service know and they will give you your money back no questions asked you don't even have to send it back so there's really no downside this stuff has changed my life and i highly recommend you check it out drinkelement.com ctc get your free sample pack and you will feel how this changes your frequency here we are again. Hello. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I wanted you, I'm kind of recording a bunch of these out of order as we re-release or we relaunch the podcast, but I wanted you to be the first interview. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, the whole, I was saying this on the other show, but this will come out first. Like so much of why I started podcasting was like to have these deeper conversations with people and to kind of like show the behind the scenes. And like, for me, it's about people's journeys. Like that's what mm. I love talking about. That's what I love learning about people. I love witnessing people in the journey, like being a part of the journey. And when the reason why we called it multidimensional is because obviously like, you know, multidimensional spiritually, but just who we are as beings and all the facets of us. And I think for me, it's like sentimental because you've been with me through so much change. I'm like literally going to cry. Um, you know, like the last decade has been so crazy. And like you have been with me through the whole thing. And simultaneously, like you have gone through so much, you know, um, make me cry. I, I like didn't think I was going to cry, but like, it's like, it feels like a full circle moment. It's like weird because I mean, I've been doing this for close to a decade and like, here we are doing like really rebirthing it and it's like the mm -hmm. same podcast but totally different and like here I am with you and like like I think about where we are right now and like where we were when we met and like just all of the shit we've been through together and even before meeting each other and why mm -hmm. we connected and when we first met you we were just talking about you were my intern for straight up paleo like that other podcast like lifetimes uh, ago yeah which that was such a fun podcast so like fun and it's so funny because I'm like you know was one of the whole points of starting that show just so that we could meet you know and we ended up just <laughs> becoming besties and you know for me kind of watching you go through your whole journey and um I was doing 
this, you know, whatever my iteration of this was. And here we are sitting here and like, you've just completely blown up, you know? And like, you like created this whole like career and life for yourself. that I don't think even at that time you had on your radar, you know, definitely not. Yeah. And definitely not. Yeah. And I think you're, well, you know, you're one of the most interesting people to me. Um, and I think that a lot of people don't get to see all those facets of you. Like they really don't. And I, we have that kind of similar, we were, I was talking about this with Michael, like how I present, I know that mm-hmm. it's not always, you know, how people perceive me is not always like how I perceive myself. And I think that with you too, like, because I like know you so intimately. And then I, th- I think that's just very different than other people who maybe meet you for the first time. And I mm-hmm. also think, and you know, we can talk about this, but as you grow a platform, there's that whole other layer of it too. Like so many people seeing you, but like not really seeing you. Cause that's just one part of your personality. It's just one thing oh, you're doing, yeah. you know? And then all of the, which we'll probably get into like even backlash when you start to share the rest of yourself or like people saying like, stick to this, you know? Um, and I think, you know, that's so fascinating, but I think there's so much about you like that people don't know. And I don't even remember the first time you came on the show. Like I maybe was 22. Yeah, <laughs> like, I think we were like young twenties. Yeah. So we just talked about eating food, like yeah. paleo and stuff. Yeah. Like when we've obviously gone through so much together, seeing each other develop, like you said, in like very intimate ways of just like knowing like a true friendship. So mm-hmm. I think it's I'm very honored to be on this show. <laughs> I'm very honored to be in your life, that you're in my life. Like we were one of the best friendships I've had in my yeah. lifetime. So it's very cool to see each other grow and our businesses grow and just like go through different phases of life. It's just, yeah, it's awesome. I love it. I also yeah. love that I'm making you tear up because I, you I never don't cry. cry. <laughs> uh, you can get, literally Christina can get me to cry. Like, no, like the second you start crying, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I know. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> it's always when I cry. I know. But I think that's good for people to see, you know, because yeah. like you definitely, and I have this side of me too, but I think because of the spiritual side, now people see the, some of the more softer bits of me, like we can present as like, I'm a tough bitch, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like don't come at me. Um, but that's not your whole personality at all. And so I want to kind of approach this, like you've never been on the show before, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, you are a professional chef now. Uh, but I want to go back to how you, how you came to be that. Like, I want to talk about the journey. Let's do it. And I want to go all the way back to, like, let's start your your high school volleyball player. Yeah, so, yeah, starting in high school volleyball, <laughs> yeah. I guess my life was basically volleyball. Yeah. So I wasn't into cooking. I wasn't into other things. I played on, like, the number one volleyball team in the nation, club level. That was my life. For some reason, like, middle school, I was just like, I'm going to play volleyball like that's gonna be what I do I don't even know why I was just like I'm gonna play college volleyball I'm gonna be a pro athlete that's just what I wanted to do and that's probably because I was super tall and like (laughs) was awkward (laughs) like I was the tallest girl in my grade for like literally all of elementary and middle school yeah I'm not by the tallest girl I was like the tallest person yeah so like I was so awkward I was gangly Mm -hmm. like the boys were awkward around me because I was bigger than the boys so I was like I guess I'll just put it to use. I'm just going to be a good volleyball player. Yeah. Um, and that's what I ended up doing. I went into high school. It was my life. Like, I didn't care about academics that much. I didn't care about social life. I played volleyball every single day of my high school. Like, I maybe rest, like, 
once every other week, but like yeah. even days I didn't have practice, I was practicing at my house. My dad built a volleyball court in our backyard. <laughs> like it was crazy. And shout out to John. yeah, shout out to John Scott. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Couldn't have done it without you. Um, but I loved it too. Like it was so fun. I, I, I was so competitive and it was felt good because it was something I was really good at. Yeah. And I wasn't really like great at other things. Like I was good at school, but not amazing at school. Um, I was really awkward socially. I was extreme introvert and shy. So mm -hmm. it was also a way to make friends. Like mm -hmm. my best friends were on my volleyball team. Um, and it was really hard for me to make friends otherwise, just cause I was like shy and awkward. Mm -hmm. So it like really was my identity. And why do you think you were shy? Like, do you think it's just like who you are or was it that you, did you, was it because you felt insecure because you were so much taller than everybody else? Was that, I think that was a factor. Yeah. I think I'm an introvert by nature, but I wouldn't consider myself shy anymore. Yeah. Um, but it definitely was insecurities. I was like tall, like kind of made fun of for being like, yeah. so tall and gangly and just like kind of very shy and also I was like mostly an introvert growing up so my parents were always like you need to like put yourself out there more mm -hmm. like don't be so attached to us and like all this stuff and I was just like uncomfortable with that yeah without being able to socialize over something if I was like socializing over like an activity mm -hmm. super good at that but if I was just like a room full of people that was super uncomfortable for me and I mostly think it was because I was insecure about yeah. being like different from everyone else yeah well especially when it's like I mean I would imagine you know you're like always hyper aware of everybody's gonna look at me because I'm the tallest one yes like I, like it's unmissable you know yes. like people that people are gonna notice me and so sometimes we balance that out with like I'm just not gonna talk because like I'm already taking up a lot of space or like yeah you know so I I would imagine that would be a hundred percent yeah I, I was always yeah. just always felt like I was standing out and being stared at and different so I think I just turned inward or again I turned to volleyball because yeah. I was really good at it and yeah. I was recognized for it um and that kind of like became my identity mm -hmm. in high school and then into college when I ended up playing college volleyball. Yeah, it's funny because like while you're talking, I'm not that I didn't know this about you, but I think I'm just kind of realizing it in a different way when you're talking about that. I'm like, the thing about you is because I will watch you go through discomfort and you do not process discomfort the way I do. Like when I'm uncomfortable, I'm like, I'm like, like energy vomiting on my friends you know uh -huh. I'm like I'm like emotional and I'm expressing and I'm, and I'm going back and forth you know I'm like doing that whole process and Kelly just sits there and is like okay yeah she just listens <laughs> to me right and like when you're going through something you like just internalize like you're just so yes. internal and you don't say anything and it'll usually be more like if I'm involved like I'm talking to you I'm just and you're just like not saying anything and you're like processing you know you're mm -hmm. just like and you like twist it all up and alchemize it all in you and then you'll be like okay I've decided to do this it's like do you know what I'm saying it's like it's yes. a very interesting process of like I'm so like let's talk about it and mm -hmm. you know work through the pros and the cons and how am I feeling and it's through me talking about it that I get to my own conclusions I think my close friends know I just need to talk about it and I get yeah. there I just want to know your opinion so that I can say no I like my opinion. Better. Yeah. Like you Pretty always much. end up going with whatever <laughs> yeah. you knew in your gut, but you yeah. needed someone to be able to bounce it off of. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, I'm very much like, no, I just know. Yeah. Or like I will inter internalize processing, which also comes to a fault sometimes because sometimes you need to let things out too. Yeah. And I'm better that as an adult now. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's funny yeah. seeing the differences there. Cause yeah, you'll be able to like bounce ideas off yeah. of. And the same for me that I just like 
internalized and, and that could be the human design projector in me well yeah that's what i'm like well, I'm, a, I'm a split definition like i need to talk to people yeah. but but i'm like thinking about also from this context like na- nature and nurture you know and mm-hmm. um how you just described that of like i'm really tall and i feel awkward and i think we don't necessarily you know give those emotions we're feeling when when we're younger enough like space like as a kid like that is like when we have things that we're insecure about, you know, whether it's like the height or the skin or like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like all those things, it's that the way that impacts, you know, your whole internal world is really profound where it's like, you know, maybe as an adult experiencing those same things, it's not that big of a deal, you know? Definitely. Yeah. But when you're saying like, you know, I'm feeling insecure about being this tall, I'm like taller than everybody in my class. And so I figured might as well just do something useful with it like that's actually how you tend to approach most things in your life now Literally everything and I like yeah. wonder how much of it is because of that it's like you know you're in a position where it's like I mean there's nothing you can do to change that right yeah. it's like I literally can't change my height so I'm you know instead of feeling upset about it like what can I do to make it work and I think that sometimes you know some problems can come with that in terms of you're not processing your emotions but I also think that is a really like effective way of navigating certain things because it's like at its core it is I'm accepting this and what can I do to like move forward you know Mm -hmm. and like that's the thing that one of the things I really respect the most about you like I watch you and and, you know I know it takes a lot for you despite how close we are to say like hey I need to talk to you about something like I I know you hate doing that and whenever you do you know I'll share my opinion and you'll you just like listen you know you don't really like talk you don't say much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're very different than me. And then you like go home and the next day I'll be like, yeah, so I decided I'm starting this. I call this person. I set up that like you like have the whole plan. I'm like, wow, like really, oh, yeah. really, you know, you're just like, let's go, let's move forward. And, and I think that that's such a powerful quality to have, you know, of like actually adding forward momentum in, in your life. And, um, you know, I think that'll kind of keep continuing to pop up in the story, but I'm just kind of putting that together. No, a hundred percent. I've put that together through years of therapy too. Cause like you said, there are pros and cons to it. It's led to negative things in my life as well. Um, just dealing with situations of me not being able to handle emotions. So being a doer instead and putting things into action versus feeling, which is pretty much a coping mechanism when you don't know how to deal with all your emotions. So like it's good and bad. Like I'm, I'm definitely a doer and like, I will get shit done. Like if you need something done, like I'm the person to go to, but also bad because then I just go, go, go and don't rest, which I'm doing much better with now in present day versus like past Kelly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's keep, so you are playing volleyball. It's your life. And then what happens? So I am playing volleyball. I graduate from high school. I go on to play D1 college volleyball, which again, that was my whole dream ever since I was in middle school. I was like, I'm going to be a college athlete. I'm a starter my sophomore year. Everything is going right. Like I'm doing everything right on paper. Like I am an amazing student athlete. I'm getting like good grades. I am becoming one of the best players on my team. And then it was Halloween of 2014. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I got hit in the head with a ball and basically got a really bad concussion. And me being me, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to play through this. (laughs) I I knew. I literally knew I had a concussion. I've had a concussion before. I've had multiple concussions prior. And I knew I had a concussion. But I was a starter. This was the most important Mm. game of our season at the time. I also was kind of peer pressured by my coaches and trainers to play. 
And so I decided to play. I played two more games. I, my head was really fucked. And by the second game at the end, I was like, okay, I have a concussion, did all the tests, had a concussion and expected to kind of be better within two weeks. Unfortunately, that did not happen. Is that what they told you? Like they said, they didn't say, but in my past concussions prior, I was better within a few weeks. Um, so I was like, Oh, just going to be like the last concussions. I'm going to be fine. You rest for a few weeks and then you come back and you're fine. Um, but a few weeks came back, like went on, still wasn't fine. Weeks turns into months. Um, my volleyball season was over. So at that point I was like, well, whatever my season's over, but I wanted to be better for the spring. Um, months turned into many, many months and many doctor's appointments, not figuring out why I was not getting better. It was worse than my past concussions where like my eyesight was really bad. My walking and like balance was really bad. I had migraines every night, so I couldn't sleep. Um, my vision, I had like this weird thing where I couldn't track stuff well with my vision. So usually with brain injuries, if you're like tracking, you can even do like a simple eye test. My eyes would like flicker uncontrollably just to get from point A to B. So there was a lot of things going on like that where doctors were like, yeah, we don't know why you're not getting better. Like you should be better by now. And it was like, of it turned into like years of this basically by the year mark of the injury I still was basically as bad as I was the day I got the injury and that was after many doctor's appointments from all over I went to like brain boot camp where like I was in this boot camp for like a week and it was like a horrible experience not it helps because it helped me get to the root of things that were going on Mm -hmm. but it was so painful where I would like after the boot camp we'll go home and like throw up because like they like put what, you through so much um, is it like it's, is it physical or is it w- mental both okay. but it's mostly physical so it was for the center was in georgia it was for people who had suffered like severe trauma so like there were other people in there who like were in wheelchairs for mm-hmm. example and luckily i was not that bad um but they would do things like they would do tests where they like do medical tests on you they the worst of it was they had this machine that was like do, have you seen that nasa machine where they spin you yeah, upside that's what, down yeah that's around. what i was imagining when you're saying that. they had that and you would do stuff like that and after that, that machine safe for when, when you're well they're like doctors and stuff so well, i guess they remind that reminds me of like you know what when they in movies and stuff portray like when people have mental health issues back in the day yeah. and they would like it's like a lumpotomy like let's just shake up the brain uh, that's what i felt better. like because like, <laughs> like the the i guess like the it deals with your center of gravity okay and a lot of problems with brain injuries is your center of gravity is like I fucked i mean look I, i'm just saying i wouldn't like that even like without a so, brain injury so no. i can't imagine yeah so like that. after yeah. days like that um i would just go back and we had to go to a hotel because i wasn't living in georgia at the time and i would like throw up and like just Ugh. like cry all day because yeah. it was so rough but after that after that week they kind of got some answers of they were like you need to get some like blood tests with like we think something's wrong with your thyroid because i did a bunch of tests mm-hmm. where like i wasn't recovering well from like laying down position to sitting up i would like my whatever the blood pressure would like yeah. drop a ton and they're like that's not normal so that's when i found out i had like some other health things going on um but after that and like going to brain doctors weekly i'd go to brain doctors weekly where they would put like electrodes on my head and they would just run a bunch of tests and you have to do eye tracking and all that um so like after like like maybe a uh, year in eight months i finally was like i'm done like mm. 
I can't do this. It's not worth it going back on the volleyball court. I had PTSD. Anytime I walked into the gym, I had PTSD, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't really dealt with because that wasn't talked about as much back then, especially like you don't think you have PTSD from getting hit in the head with a ball. Yeah. But it was also the whole thing of being like kind of encouraged to go play on the same court and being pushed by my coaches to do that, even though they knew I had an injury. So it was just too much for me. So mm-hmm. I, I, I finally was like, I quit. Like I have to, mm-hmm. I had to ask my doctor to medically disqualify me too. So to get out of it, I can't just like quit the team cause I would lose my scholarship. I had to, it was like a bunch of like bureaucratic stuff, like all the paperwork and stuff. You have to get approval from a doctor to finally get disqualified and then was able to stop being on the team. But then I had to work on the team for the rest of the time there too. So that was a whole other thing too, because they knew I had PTSD. So I had to go work for other sports teams to earn my scholarship. Um, But yeah, so that was a whole journey. And obviously my my mental health at that point was horrible because the one thing I was passionate about and the one thing I was super good at and like I was known for it, like that was my identity was like ripped from me. And I couldn't do anything about it. I did everything I could. I went to obviously millions of doctor's appointments and therapy and there was nothing that I could do to get better and get back on the court. Well, I mean, having your identity, like it's like, okay, you you start with, I have this thing I'm insecure about and I'm putting it to use and then Mm -hmm. I'm becoming the best of the best. And now this is my whole identity, which, you know, when you're an athlete, I mean, that this is what happens, right? Mm-hmm. It, your whole world is about it. You're spending every waking moment thinking about everything revolves around that, you know? Mm-hmm. But there's also like, so that in itself is a lot, but then there's also the component of your, I mean, how old are you? Like 19, 20? I was 20. Yeah. Okay. So you're, I mean, you know, we're, we're impressionable. We're still, you know, yeah. <laughs> and it's your identity, but it's also like such an emotional and scary experience to be going through that. I mean, like I haven't been through that. Like I can only relate. I think about how I felt when I had Lyme, when I would like Mm -hmm. lose my vision and like be unable to walk. And like, well, my brain stopped working like those bouts. Like that was so, I can't even describe how like scary and demoralizing and feeling like I'm so young and like, like my brain isn't working. I can't think I can't read Mm -hmm. a sentence in front of me. Like I felt like this is how old people feel, you know, (laughs) like this is how my grandma felt like when she right before she, you know, it's very scary and it really fucks with your head. Like that fucked with my head, you know? So like, I'm curious just how else that felt for you during that process. Like you're going through all these, these tests and you're trying to go to all these doctors. You're not getting help. Like even beyond the identity with, you know, being an athlete, there's just to me a personal, like as a human, like I'm losing my function. Yeah. That's exactly how it felt like spot on. I felt like my body was betraying me yeah, and that I couldn't trust it. And again, it's like you said, it's very different from like any other injury, like a knee injury mm-hmm. or something like that. Cause like, that's like, Oh, you can fix this and it's not affecting other parts of your life, but your brain affects everything. So I felt like a complete betrayal, a complete lack of trust and a complete like despair just because I was like, I can't even like function. I can't even like read a book without my eyes doing like double vision or anything like that or look at screens without getting a migraine. So it just completely fucks you. That's your whole, like, that's like, 
that shows up just talking to somebody, you know, mm-hmm. like following the conversation, like let alone like reading, wa- trying to watch something. Like when you when you think about it, really, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't realize that until that stuff started getting ripped from me. Of like, this is my whole like without my yeah. my brain functioning, like I I can't. Oh yeah, you know what what am I doing? You know exactly. That's hard, but and so you say, you know, you felt like your your body's betraying you, and I'm curious, like is that also kind of how you felt? maybe not like how did you feel toward the people like your coaches and oh yeah I mean my coaches I it was was, I felt like Stockholm syndrome at first because I was like I knew logically in my head that like they were a part of this yeah but also they were such a big part of my life like I trusted them Mm -hmm. and they had so much power over me too where at the time I like loved them because I was like, you know, star on the court and yeah. they were like hyping me up and looking back, I was like, oh no, they were a part of the problem because they didn't protect me. They yeah. didn't um, help me when I clearly needed help. And even afterwards when I was suffering from PTSD and they knew I was suffering from PTSD, my coach would play games where like he would have me shag balls as mm-hmm. girls were doing hitting drills. And I'd be like in the back, like almost crying because I was so afraid of getting hit in the head again. Yeah. So it was a very weird power structure too because again they had the power to like kind of rip away my scholarship and that was like one of the reasons I wanted to be a volleyball player too it's like you know get a full ride and Mm -hmm. be able to kind of have that financial freedom um so it was definitely a weird uh, a hard thing to navigate at the time because again it was like people I really respected and liked and they put me in that position as well where it probably made my brain injury worse by playing on a damaged like a concussion Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot of intense emotion under that. Like, I, mm-hmm. I would imagine. I mean, I know, I know, just from. I mean, I would I'd never played at that level. Obviously, I wasn't that good, but I know, like, you know, my life was volleyball until I was 18. Like, and like just that culture and mm-hmm. like how your relationships with your coach. It's like a family, and it is very. I mean, it's very close. They're, they're your whole family. You yeah, know? you see them yeah. every day for three hours yeah. a day. Yeah, so you're talking to them, especially as. A setter I was like always going into my office yeah. and chatting with my coach or watching videos with my coaches mm-hmm. and like I was pretty like very close with my coaches always mm-hmm. so to go through that and have like complete lack of trust and then kind of be put in a position where from them being loving and like mm-hmm. obsessed with me because you know I was a star and like the starting position to oh now I'm like as good as like trash on the ground because yeah. like I'm useless to them yeah. was like very hard too because it kind of fed into the um thoughts in my head that like oh I'm only useful or valuable when I am like the star and playing volleyball and now I'm not worth anything anymore like I have to if I'm not performing I'm not good enough like I need need to have this very tangible here's my value and that's why you yeah around me yeah exactly so definitely had a um a part in feeling like I had no value and was useless Mm -hmm. yeah so I mean that's a lot to be going through you know at that age and it's like you feel betrayed and like you can't trust the people around you, these people who are basically like family, you know, all these authority Mm -hmm. figures who are supposed to be looking out for you and you can't trust your body, you know, your body's betraying you. So, I mean, how do you, like, what comes after that? Like, what do you like, what do you do with that? So after that, after I basically was disqualified, I developed an eating disorder because I, again, I had no control in my life. Mm -hmm. I was super depressed. I didn't, have anything to spend my time doing so it wasn't like I was a conscious choice of like I'm gonna have an eating disorder it was just like 
I'm going to take back some control Mm -hmm. and developed orthorexia, which is basically an eating disorder that's like lesser known, but it is the obsession with being like perfectly healthy, which makes sense because I felt like I was so unhealthy and had no control of my body that I was like, I'm going to control everything that goes into it and everything Mm -hmm. I do with it. And it helps me have a sense of like stabilization again because I was like, nothing's going right. I'm going to become super hyper fixated Mm -hmm. on everything that happens around me going into me and it gave me kind of a sense of something to do again so I've like talked about this in therapy so much because I had to like go through the PTSD and get over it but it kind of was a coping mechanism for me because if I didn't like I could have turned to like alcohol or drugs Mm -hmm. you know like I don't know or like fallen into a deep depression and like self-harmed so in a way it like was helpful at the time because even though it was harmful it was something that helped me get through the huge loss of volleyball. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, I mean, I quit drinking and traded that in for orthorexia. That's what I I I did a swap. I did a straight swap with that, Uh you know? So I was like, yeah, I've been like, you know, seven years sober, but I'm like, but you know, I just traded in for that. So, but you know, it's, it's a complicated eating disorder, Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what's interesting is like, you know, how do we get down that path? And so I'm curious, there's that control piece. Was there a piece of you that was hoping that if you ate perfectly, it would heal you or definitely. was it? Okay. Yeah. It definitely kind of started that way. Cause yeah. I was like, something's going on internally. Like maybe it's something I'm eating that I'm mm-hmm. not healing from. So it became really focused on clean eating mm-hmm which turned into tracking everything I ate, tracking every single calorie, weighing my food. And then that's when the obsession started. That's when the orthorexia started. Because it did start as me trying to like, just feel better, like physically feel Mm -hmm. better because I felt so sick. Um, And then it just turned into a a snowball effect. As you're getting into it, it just keeps going and going. Did Did you realize it was disordered like early on or no? Not early on no okay i thought because especially back then this was like 2014 it was kind of common to like you know count your macros and do that stuff so i was just like oh i'm being super healthy it wasn't until probably like six months in where i was like so afraid to eat like a cookie Mm -hmm. or like anything unhealthy that i was like "Mm, this isn't great Mm -hmm. and i knew that i was like not mentally doing okay i was like i know this is unhealthy but now i'm like obsessed with it yeah and i'm not gonna start stop now (laughs) <laughs> did did people around you notice it was unhealthy or was it more like hidden it was some people noticed um yeah. did they say anything no okay. um yeah that's usually, that's how, usually it how it goes yeah. um it was pretty well hidden because again i was eating i was just working yeah, out that's what's tricky about it that's what's tricky yeah that's yeah. what's tricky about orthorexia because it just looks like oh you're eating healthy food and i ate a lot of food it was just all low calorie food yeah. and like under my output of calories yeah we're eating like a pound of yeah. broccoli like. exactly <laughs> like i was just eating steamed vegetables yeah. and like egg whites yeah so i was <laughs> eating a sick i know that's so gross and we're like why are we bloated <laughs> i know why are our stomachs messed up now i know um so i was eating um i was just like rapidly losing weight too yeah. so i only had one person actually say something to me and it was um one of my teammates Mm. and she expressed her concerns it was kind of early on too it was before I lost like a ton of weight and she expressed her concerns and she had a previous eating disorder too so she yeah you know you know when someone has an eating disorder and you've had an eating disorder so she kind of like 
got on a call with me because she had moved up at that point. It was an ex team member, but she kind of saw what was happening still. And she was like, I'm really worried for you. And I was like, no, I'm fine. Like, yeah, like it's nothing to worry about. Like, I'm totally okay. I was like, you're crazy. And mm-hmm. like, kind of like gaslit her. And I was like, yeah, no, she's right. Um, but she was completely right. So where did the modeling come in? So the modeling ironically came in like kind of as I was getting over the eating disorder. Okay. So it was actually a few years into the eating disorder. I was like, well, I'm skinny now. So why not model? Uh-huh. I'm skinny and tall. I have nothing to do. I have all this extra time because I don't have volleyball. It came in like my juniors, more sort of senior year of college. And I was like, well, I might as well just like model because like I'm skinny. I have nothing to do. <laughs> Did someone say something to you or like, how did that start? Did you just, did you just send in pictures or? I just send pictures okay. to, um, like a modeling agency mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, like we'd love to have you. And then it turned into me, I ended up going into New York after, cause I was like, why yeah. not? What else again? What else am I going to yeah. do? I'm like skinny. And so how did you get through the orthorexia? Like what changed or what was the moment you were like, I can't this isn't going to work. And what did you do differently? Yeah. So it was my junior year. So it was probably like probably eight months or 10 months into the eating disorder. Not that far in, but at that point I lost 50 pounds and I didn't have 50 pounds to lose. I think I weighed 113 at my lowest and mm-hmm. I'm six one. Mm-hmm. So I recognized that it was not looking good. And I happened to have a nutrition class just because I needed it for a science credit. And one day we talked about eating disorders in class and I felt like like, everyone was looking at me and they were not, but I was like, cause I knew I had an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. So after the class I went and like brought my teacher aside and I was like, I need help. Like, do you know of any, anyone? Wow. That's like really brave. Yeah. Like that's not like anyone told me to do it. I was just like, I know if it keeps going this way, it's going to be really bad. So my teacher sent me to a nutritionist that she knew that specialized in eating disorders. And so I started seeing her about once a week and she helped me kind of like start adding food in because I was like even afraid to add like one egg into breakfast. So I was like, yeah. no, it's going to throw out the macros. And I was afraid not to count macros and stuff like that. And she also would do weigh-ins and I kept losing weight. I kept losing weight. And one day she was like, I'm afraid to like let you walk out of this office. Like if you lose any more weight, like you're going to have a heart attack. And I was like, that would be embarrassing. <laughs> so I was like, we got to stop that because I can't die from an eating disorder. That would be so embarrassing. That's not even, I wasn't even like, I want to live. I was like, no, that'd be so embarrassing. I can't do that. So that's <laughs> when I was like, okay, I'll get a therapist. So I got a therapist and basically started doing therapy yeah. and going through all of that. And then I decided to get a trainer too, which I told a trainer, I was like, you need to be in charge yeah. of my weight. I'm getting rid of the scale. I can't see a scale. You need to have weigh-ins for me. You need to tell me what to do or else I'm going to do like run miles every day. So he was a huge part of it too, because I, he made me only do like weights. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we're only doing weights. I would ask to do cardio. He'd be like, no, like you can't do cardio. So he mm-hmm. knew what was going on too and was in charge of like helping me also add in foods and like bulking me up as well. But in like a slower way or where it wasn't like super triggering. Cause yeah. it wasn't like all at once. Cause a lot of problem with eating disorder therapies is they will put in so much calorie, de- like really dense calorie foods and really unhealthy foods, which would be super triggering with someone for, with orthorexia because it would be going from eating like so clean to 
so like quote unquote unhealthy that it would probably like make it yeah. worse. So it was yeah. a very gradual, slow process, but basically me reaching out to get help. Yeah. I mean, you're giving me lots of flashbacks. Yeah. It's like, you know, I feel like I'm listening to myself. Like yeah. it's like, and, and I remember those way, I remember weigh-ins, you know, and it's like so triggering. And, so triggering. Um, and, and then especially, I don't know if it was like this for you. Like I, for me, I also had all, it was like my had these digestive things going on, you know? And so I would try and add stuff in and then I would get super ill. Mm-hmm. I would get like legitimately like sick. Um, and I kept losing weight even when I was eating more, you know? And it's like everyone just, the way they like looked at me, I felt like just a, like a moral failure, you know? Yeah. No, I felt like that too. I felt like embarrassed to like yeah. go out yep. and not wear baggy clothes, mm-hmm. which is funny because I would still like work out and eat unhealthy because yeah. you're in that addiction. It's an addiction at the end of the yeah. day. But it was so embarrassing to like go yeah. out and be like, everyone's looking at me and I know they are because I mean, we looked, you, you definitely had, you had the look and yeah, I had, had the look, look too. Yeah. Like, you know, the face, you could just see like the eating disorder look of being malnourished yeah. and like everything sunken in. Yeah. So it was like really embarrassing too, even though you're in that addiction and can't get out of it. Yeah. You want to, but you're like, it's like ingrained in you at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I mean, for me at least, like, I mean, I was so embarrassed to go out, like, and I could feel everybody looking at me and I knew what they were thinking and, mm-hmm. you know, people would, you know, for like me, send food over to my table and come up to me and say things. And I mean, I had people throw food at me. Like it was so fucked, you know, and it was complicated for me because I was like, I'm like legit sick, you know, like I was in and out of doctor's offices and getting all the testing done. And yeah, it's like the, the skinny shaming thing was like a whole other layer that I, I did not at the time know how to, how to navigate yeah the skinny shaming and i know people like harp on people who are like oh you're skinny shaming but like no it's like a huge thing and like can can keep people in that place too or keep people in that negative like mindset because luckily i never never had anyone like send food to my table but that's like traumatic oh yeah i mean to to this day i'm like when i think about traumatic moments like it's so funny that that's one of them and i've been through like crazier shit like real shit but like that stands out to you because of what that does to emotion. I'm like that you're in a restaurant and someone is looking at you from across the restaurant and going out of their way to go order something for you. Like that does yeah, not feel crazy. good, you no. know? And, and you think like, how, how can people, for me, it was just like realizing how many people are so judgmental and creating preconceived stories. And it's like, it's none of your business. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. even know you. I don't even know you. Why are you saying anything about me? You know? So I just think it's an interesting, um, you know, lesson in human behavior. Absolutely. Like you just don't know what people are going through. And I mean, to those people that are probably like, Oh, she's just skinny by choice. When it's like not the case really. Yeah. It's so much more complicated than that. You know, like whether it, like whether it is to, you know, like eating disorders in general, you know, if it's anorexia of any type, like, or bulimia or whatever, like it's so much more complex than that. You mm-hmm. know, it's mm-hmm. like there's the choice, but there's something going on. And when you're talking about, you know, when you think about your thought process at that time, I think about things I thought too. And it's like the embarrassing piece instead of, Hey, I might die. Yeah. It's like the way your brain, your brain isn't working properly. Like your brain isn't working properly, you know, and everything's distorted and everything feels out of control. And 
there's something there's such deeper things going on yeah know? absolutely they call it like the ed voice like yeah it's a completely different voice in your head yeah. like it's not something rational it's just like i couldn't you can't decipher what's like true what's not true because it has that ed voice in your head that's like i can decipher it now but back then it's like you don't you're not thinking straight you don't even know here's the thing that's interesting like you know you and i both and i want to get back to the modeling piece but you and i both like went into the health and wellness space and like Mm -hmm. i mean that i know for both of us it, it led for you like a love of a love of cooking and food and like exploring that and for me it also yeah, I first started like being, I was afraid of food because I thought it was making me sick, but that did lead me to loving, you know, like not, I'm not good, uh, good at cooking like you are, but like I started, to, I cooked, I learned how to cook. Like I loved all things health and wellness. Like it bloomed into something beautiful. And in being in that space, I just started to realize all of these people who are don't have a healthy relationship with it like I remember just thinking like wow everybody everybody is orthorexic and like I had seen it that way because I had been through like the sick part of it and gone to therapy and got like I'd already identified that and then you see all these people that are promoting health and wellness and not everybody but there's so many people where it's like this is actually very unhealthy you know and especially for me with podcasting and like And being in LA, I just got, and you know, I was like so uncomfortable because I had, it took so much for me to kind of get out of that way of thinking and mind fuck. And then suddenly I'm in this health and wellness space. And so many people are like pretending it's about health. And for them, they're like, you know, you can't go out to dinner with somebody because everything it's like, what's in that? And I can't have that. And it's like, there's that very fine line. Yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like, again, the eating disorder is an obsession. Yeah. And let so many people who are obsessed with something go into that for a career or yeah. just a passion if you're like doing influencing and stuff like that. And it could be a very fine line from obsession bad to yeah. obsession good. Yeah. And a lot of the times, I mean, we can decipher it now that we're out of it. It's like a bad obsession. Yeah. You can tell that they can't like function life properly because they're so in it. Yeah. What do you think though, like clicked in your brain of like, because here's the thing, you, you don't ever think like that anymore. Like no. I know that about you and yeah. I can, cause I can tell, and I knew that within myself, like I would think I got better and then I would like go back into that mm-hmm. way. Like, and I think we're both at a place where it's like, you know, we're around each other enough. I'm like, no, I don't have any friends in my life that are like weird about food. Yeah. Um, and you know, I say that like, I mean, I was worried about food, so I'm going to say it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like what was the flip in your mind of actually, cause you're immersed in food now Yeah. of like never going back there. Yeah. I think it, I mean, there's a few things, but it definitely was, I started cooking for myself. Mm-hmm. So because I was orthorexic, I didn't trust anyone to make my food. So during college I would start cooking for myself and that became very cathartic for me. Yeah. And it filled in the void of volleyball and my depression. And I mean, all my friends are on the volleyball team. So I didn't hang out with my friends as much. I was like very lonely. So cooking started to become super fun. At first it was like, obviously just cause I was being crazy and didn't trust anything, but then it started to become access into like my creative side and like be just more filled with joy. So I think finding a passion and cooking helped 
mm-hmm. turn the negative look on food into something positive because it was a very slow development probably like it took years but eventually it was just like oh this is really fun to do and then even going to culinary school I feel like that was the final point where I was like once I was in culinary school I that all my ED thoughts completely went away where mm-hmm. I was like at the start of culinary school or maybe right before it I would have one here and there where you have to like you know suppress it or like try to not think about it culinary school really took all those away because I was like eating things I would never eat and I was like oh I'm fine yeah like I'm not gaining 500 pounds like I expected to gain from eating one cupcake Mm -hmm. or you know having like health issues because I was occasionally eating canola oil yeah so it was probably just immersion therapy basically just being uncomfortable at first with stuff Mm -hmm. and then realizing oh bad bad things are not gonna happen yeah well, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, you're like going through that and you're healing from that. And then you immediately are immersed in, you know, modeling and you're like traveling mm-hmm. all over the world and you're going to like all these cool things. Also, Kelly's in the Hunger Games. Everybody. Fun fact. <laughs> uh, I love I literally love your modeling pictures, uh-huh. but like that's a very intense environment. You know, like yes. what was the dynamic like with you and like other other models? Like what yeah, were you noticing? Cause yeah. Again, it was towards the end of my eating disorder, so I wasn't in the worst of it. And I was seeing my roommates because I lived in a model house and other friends who had eating disorders. Like almost everyone has an eating disorder mm-hmm. in the model modeling world to be like a size double zero. And I was like, ooh, that sucks. Their mm-hmm. lives suck. Mm-hmm. And I still wasn't even eating that great, but I was like eating the best out of anyone. And uh, I kind of like instead of putting me deeper into it, which can very much happen in the modeling world, it helped me get out of it because I was like, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to eat one thing a day and like have a cigarette diet. And it helped me kind of solidify the fact that I didn't want to model for too long. It was always a for fun thing anyway, Mm -hmm. but I knew I didn't want to be in that world too long because at that point I was already working on gaining weight and Mm -hmm. eating healthier and all of that so definitely it was like a solidifier of oh I don't want that to be my life because again these girls had eating disorders for years and years and years and they looked horrible because they were like skin and bone and looked old because you know there's no fat in their face and I was like "Mm, I don't want that to be me well I think you know when you see someone else going through a different level or something similar to what you're going through suddenly it puts it in a new perspective and like Mm -hmm. and for me that is seeing that in other people, I was like, wow, like this is a serious thing. Like my health is like very serious, you know? And, um, I think that's what, another reason why like we need each other, you know, as reflections and it's mm-hmm. like, wow, like I can see myself in you. And, um, and, you know, the other pe- like I think about that even for myself, like when people seeing me at my worst, I think like a lot of people close to me, like it actually kind of benefited of them being like, I don't want to get there. And yeah. I'm like, good, you know, like use my, my suffering and my problems to not to not go here you know Mm -hmm. i am hosting an epic two-day in-person event in march march 23rd and march 24th in san diego california and you've got to be there i have never been so excited for something i'm putting together we are going big we are going to have Day one, be the live Oracle experience. Those of you in the membership know how next level those live Oracle calls are, and we're doing it in person. So it's going to be hours and hours of live channeling, life-changing, jaw-dropping messages. I'm so excited. 
The Oracle is going to call people up, going to answer individual questions, going to do some live energy work. This is going to be unlike anything you have ever experienced. And day two, there will be a Q&A with me. We'll dive deeper into what we covered day one, and there will be a live in-person, a high energy healing ceremony session, next level experience. There is truly nothing like being together in community with a bunch of people doing energy work, receiving live channel messages, experiencing that in person. You just can't, you just can't replace it. This is going to be a weekend of magic, of miracles, of again, jaw dropping moments, so many epic surprises. And an amazing weekend to connect with soul fam, like-minded people, grow your network. It is going to be next level and truly life-changing. The best part about it is I don't even know what's going to come out of the Oracle's mouth because we're doing live channeling and we're pushing limits. If you have ever wanted to come to one of my in-person events, this is the best one to come to. You can buy a day one ticket only if you just want to do day one. You can also do day one and day two. I recommend doing that if you can make a trip out of it. San Diego is super fun, but this will truly be an unforgettable weekend and you will leave a completely different person. If you want to learn more and if you want to snag your ticket, there is a link in the show notes below. You can read all about it on the page, check out other people's experiences with the Oracle, but I'll tell you, no one's experienced it quite like this. Bring your friends, bring your family, It's going to be a great time. So again, a link is in the show notes. Get your ticket now. Let me know. Post on social media. Share with me once you purchase your ticket. Celebrating you. Cannot wait. And I'll see you in March. So here's the thing. It's like you fear food and then you end up falling in love with it. Mm -hmm. Isn't that funny how that happens? funny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you go to culinary school, which, man, I mean... We're, we're not going to get too far into it, but culinary school, listening to Kelly at culinary school was like crazy. It, I was like, it was a reality show. I'm like every day. I'm like, what happened today? There was, should have been cameras in there. It, yes. It was actually insane. <laughs> it was so like, crazy. You think being on teams and being around girls is traumatic? Try being in literally a school of guys, two girls in your whole class. Super competitive. Chefs. So competitive. will like be cutthroat and try to like literally one up everyone it was crazy yeah it was absolutely crazy yeah and you're the only like paleo chef the only i was oh my god i was made fun of so much because they're like oh kelly's just trying to be healthy blah 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 like <laughs> i had like a, a website at that time i was roasted yeah always for having a website because all these people going to culinary school like they just think they just want to be like you know own a restaurant and be like cutthroat and that's mm-hmm. like usually if you're in the food food space as a chef you're only respected if you are a head chef at a restaurant yeah. and like are in that scene, like other paths aren't really respected as much. So I always knew I didn't want that. I always knew I wanted to like help others more closely. I had recipes on my website. I was like literally roasted all the time by people in my class for eating healthy, um, for just being like very different, like weird compared to them. I had like restaurant jobs where one time my restaurant like chef, I don't know how, like found out I had a website and like was posting recipes roasted me in front of the whole staff of the restaurant it was this like 40 year old man i was like who the fuck are you wow like what a loser <laughs> um, i was like get over yourself oh he roasted God. me for having a website he was like oh you're gonna be a blogger that's so cute yeah well look yeah at me now. Like, look at me now like yeah it is <sighs> cute i mean i i i remember that with myself you know yeah. everybody made fun of me and like then you know years later here asked me for business advice and i'm mm-hmm. like you know what whatever and like let that be a lesson for everybody like p- if people are making fun of you 
who cares? Yeah. Like you're like, being different yes. and doing something right. So <laughs> yeah. keep doing do it. it and do what's yeah. fun. Yeah. I was like, I'm having fun. I don't care if y'all all just like want to work in restaurants and be like cool, intense chefs yeah. with like a bunch of tattoos. I'm like, whatever. I don't. And they're always the guys, you know, the girls were always fine. The girls were always hyping me up, but the guys, God forbid. Yeah. <laughs> so Kelly graduated valedictorian. I did. Shout out to Kelly. <laughs> I, I want to talk about like the aftermath of that, but I'm mm-hmm. curious, you know, looking back, we talked about a number of like very physical things. Like there's your height, there's volleyball, there's a, the brain injury, there's mm-hmm. the eating disorder. It's all very much like this, this physical thing. You know, when I look at people's journeys and what shapes them, it's interesting because some people it's so internal and emotional and like these inner battles that no one's seeing for you. It's like, it was always very on display. Like mm-hmm. it was very on display. Yeah. Um, and that's a, you know, a whole other aspect to it. And I'm curious how you've pieced that together for yourself or like, why do you feel like that? Like it was so physical for you. Like, why is that a core piece of your journey of it being on display? I think with me, and you're kind of like this too, (laughs) you're not going to do something unless like, or like fix something in your life, unless your body is like screaming at you. And that was always the case for me. I wasn't going to do anything or change anything unless something drastic physically happened to me Mm -hmm. and led to me, led to where like my mission in life was supposed to be. So like now I can like hindsight look and be like, oh, this was my mission to be in the food space. Um, but I would never have gone there if I didn't, if I wasn't tall and awkward and playing volleyball and then had that brain injury and then the eating disorder, like all those things physically, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be where I am today. So, and that's again, happens with a lot of the things in my life just because I'm probably like a stubborn person and think my mind is like, I'm going to follow the plan in my mind. I'm like, no, the universe is directing you somewhere else, but you're going to have to go through the shit first and figure it out. Yeah. It's funny how the universe makes us move, you know, Mm -hmm. it's usually the physical. So always, so you, and I think maybe we'll weave this in of like, you know, so you graduate and then you, I don't even know what was exactly in your head at the time of like how you wanted to do your business. I don't even know. And, And, Let's just also acknowledge, I don't, we didn't get overly into it because I feel like you've talked it, talked about it so much, but like you had so much aftermath with your body, mm-hmm. like with gut issues and, you know, like your thyroid, like all, there, yeah. you had all these internal things because of, you know, what had gone on. So you also were like, you know, handling that and, um, and then also building your business. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of just walk me through like your mental process at that time and kind of what that, that phase was like. Yeah. So once I graduated, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do in the food space. I just knew what I didn't like to do. So I knew I didn't like working, <laughs> Sounds restu- about right. working in restaurants. <laughs> I didn't like working with like people. <laughs> I don't like having people. a boss. I like people. I don't like places. I don't, I, don't like- <laughs> like, I don't like working in like a physical space. that's like not yeah like especially like other chefs i'd be like they're doing stuff like that's dumb like they shouldn't do that and i was like stubborn so i knew i didn't like doing that kind of stuff and i knew i liked you know working for myself helping other people more closely so that's when i started doing more private chefing stuff so i can help people either eat healthy or accomplish their goals on a more personal Mm -hmm. level because i got to you know do stuff for them weekly versus in a restaurant you cook for them once and you're cooking the same meals all day, which is very boring for me. Um, I was always about what did I find fun to do and also align with my passions and mission. 
which was like eating healthy, helping other people and just like finding my creativity and love through food versus the other stuff. I knew I didn't like X, Y, and Z. And then the universe kind of just directed me based on opportunities that came my way. Yeah. So tell me about the like blow up. Like how did it get to, okay, I'm going to get on like TikTok every day, make these videos every yeah. day. I mean, I just want everyone to know, like I, I've told Kelly m- many times I would, ha- I have no willpower. <laughs> I could never do what you do. I literally could never, like uh-huh. I, I could never, you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what, what inspired you to do that? What was the mindset? Like, h- and how did that, cause it grew, it mm-hmm. grew. Mm -hmm. And it keeps growing, you know? Yeah. So it basically started when videos became really popular. Mm -hmm. I'd always been on like Instagram for a while, just doing pictures, but pictures weren't like my passion really. I was like, I'm just doing it to help advertise my business. And then once videos like TikTok became a thing, I was like, Ooh, this is fun. Like you can watch educational videos about cooking or whatever you wanted really. And so I just started posting educational how to cook videos and one particular video blew up. I don't what know. It was, it? it was how to make clarified butter. <laughs> so random. Classic. So random. And it blew. It's, imp- it's an important life skill. Yeah, and it's important. Um, and it blew up on TikTok. Uh-huh. And I was like, hmm, maybe yeah. I'll just keep going this route. This yeah. seems fun. I was also kind of at a point in my career, I was like kind of getting over like meal prep for people mm-hmm. and wasn't like super passionate about it. So that was something that was really exciting to me, help educating people on how to cook. Like I had a very strong culinary background. Obviously I was educated and I worked in many restaurants and stuff. So like I had the background that a lot of like creators don't have. So it kind of set me apart in that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm very good at explaining things and like educating people. So I just started doing more videos like that and they kept blowing up and mm-hmm. blowing up and blowing up on TikTok in particular. And then one started blowing up on Instagram and then they started blowing up on mm-hmm. every single mm-hmm. social media and just kind of kept going from there. And that was in 2022 mm-hmm. that started. Um, and I love doing it. And I just really like being able to reach a lot of people and help them become more confident in the kitchen because I think a lot of creators are obviously great at doing like recipe development or making things aesthetically pretty I'm really good at helping people like educate and break down the science and the techniques behind stuff so they can become more confident and that like kind of really like fuels me yeah well it's like I mean like real life skills you know Mm -hmm. like that's the thing about I think a lot of the blogging space and it's all valuable you know I mean but it's like one thing for us to post a pretty recipe but for people who are like I don't like I want to make a nice dinner for my family you know it's Mm -hmm. like a very different approach Mm -hmm. um and you help so I mean you're helping literally millions of people every like you know people like and it's crazy it without my health struggles I would not I don't think I would know how to cook you know that's really Mm -hmm. where I was like I have to learn how to cook and before that I mean I knew how to you know toast a bagel and that was (laughs) make cereal that was pretty much it and I always think about this now like especially the you know not that I'm old but you know like the older I, I get and you meet people and then even like in the dating world and you're like all these people no one knows how to cook it's crazy it's yeah. crazy I mean, it's not, how you can be crazy, like 40 years like, old and not know yeah, how people to are cook. just like oh i don't know how to cook i don't yeah. know how to do it. when i get it because like before i had eating disorder and cook yeah. for myself i did not do anything mm-hmm. i knew how to like yeah eggs. i totally get it yeah yeah so like, it's like unless you have a passion or like desire to do it or are forced to like we were kind of forced yeah. to then it's like how would you know and there's not pl- like 
that many places where you could like learn how to do it especially following recipes like Mm -hmm. they don't explain how to do it like i remember cooking in my college dorm out of a toaster oven and like everything was horrible yeah because the recipes like i was like what does it mean to like broil i don't know (laughs) know um (laughs) so it's definitely different when you have absolutely no idea where to even start it's very intimidating to like get in the kitchen 100 percent. yeah i mean yeah uh, whatever i learn a lot from you and i also <laughs> just try and get to cook for me when i can I learn a lot from so, you for baking <laughs> bake for yeah. shit that that was always our flow i yeah. i do the baking <laughs> kelly does the cooking it's per- perfect uh, partnership yeah you know and sometimes kelly will just work off her her stays with me by being my chef <laughs> so fun <laughs> um but okay i want can we talk about like in going viral and things blowing up like that's a huge emotional and energetic change. And, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what people think about you, you are very sensitive to energy and very. You're, you're very intuitive and yeah. you, you've, you know, you put on a tough face, but you're very sensitive mm-hmm. deep down. You're like a cancer. Heart, yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so what has that been like? Like, I know you love what you do and I know how much you love your community. Like I see all the time and like how much you love it. And I also see comments people leave and, you know, for me, I think that's one of the reasons why like on social, like I love platforms like podcasting, but like, I, I don't like to push that hard that direction. And I think part of that was because like, I got my little taste of, you know, like earlier on when, when I was going through all my health issues and like got on bigger media platforms that like blew up and I had that onslaught of like negative energy. And after that I really shut down. Um, and so I always like look at these content creators and I read comments and I'm like, I don't know if I could do that. Like, I don't know if Mm -hmm. I could like, yeah, it's they're strangers and it's not like it matters, but like when you feel energy, like it still doesn't feel good to feel that energy, you know, like people are still throwing it that way and I see what people say like you know you're you're on your stories just talking about your opinions and your life it's your page and people are like you know stick to cooking I don't want to hear your feminist (laughs) opinions don't don't talk about politics (laughs) it's like well food is political but anyway um you know how how have you navigated that and what has that felt like it was definitely weird at first because when you start blowing up, like all the trolls come out mm-hmm. and I wasn't used to that. So yeah. I would read the comments and they would get to me and I'd be like really down on myself or really comparing to other creators and people. Um, but probably after like six months to eight months of this just happening, I just don't read comments that you much. You just don't. Yeah. I just don't. Or I find them funny half the time now. So if people yeah. like send me a mean dm which i don't even read i can't even like keep up with the dms anymore but like when i could um i kind of just took it as like comical Mm -hmm. from the most part um especially because like the people leaving these comments they don't know me like on a personal level they follow me for my food um it's not like they're personally attacking me because i'm not they don't know me i'm not like super offended but i did have to change my mindset and and like kind of put up a energetic wall where like so I that would not let that get to me basically because yeah. a lot of people can easily let that get to them and I think more so now I have to actively work on not comparing myself to other creators mm-hmm. in this space because we're all on our own journeys yeah. and that's the most struggle for me is the comparisonitis and like what I see myself being somewhere and I want to be there already and I see other people there already but no that I need to trust the process versus, yeah. you know, trolls coming out of the woodwork. Now I just think it's funny. Yeah. Um, but it's more so dealing with the comparison. That's the biggest difficulty. Mm. 
I also think, you know, I think this is another component of things being so physical. Like when I look at the things I've been through in my life and how it was like so on display, like my struggles so on display, it did build thicker skin for me. Like, and so I think that's also a piece when I look at your journey of like, you've been through so many iterations of like people throwing shade, knowing nothing about you, you know? So it's like kind of prepared you for this. But I guess my question would be, what do you wish more people knew about like being a content creator like because i think there's a lot to the behind the scenes of that maybe people don't understand and and Mm -hmm. i will tell you just you know everybody comes to me and tells me their dreams and goals and things and i always question you know why and you know what do you think that's gonna actually be like um and a lot of people just want you know they want to go viral Mm -hmm. or they want to be a content creator and i think like for a certain personality type it's like that's amazing and people are living their dreams and i think for other personality types it's like I think a lot of people don't realize the amount of work that goes oh, into yeah. that. You know, like I, I low key could never work as hard as you. Like yeah. <laughs> I'll just say that. Like I literally don't think I can. Yeah. You work really hard. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I'm just curious what, what are the things that maybe you, you didn't even know before you kind of got into this and like now having such a big platform. Yeah. I don't think, um, people realize how much work like I said Mm -hmm. actually goes into it and I'm definitely not saying it's like a hard job it's a hard job but it's not as hard as like you know doing surgery but it is a lot of work and your life is kind of on display so if you're not if you can't mentally handle that then it's definitely like not for you and you have to have like a strong mental fortitude you have to have strong scheduling because Mm -hmm. I mean content creation like you work for yourself so I'm very type a so I'm lucky where I can do that and keep structure in my life but if you didn't like that would be super difficult Mm -hmm. like I'm working a lot and I don't plan to work a lot like for the rest of my life I'm doing it now to build up the foundation to build up for my mission but yeah it's definitely a lot more than you would think that would go into it especially in the beginning you don't have the financial means to hire people to help you. Luckily yeah. I have um, people who help me now a lot more. So that is a blessing. But in the beginning you're, you have to post every single day, you yeah. know, to keep on the algorithm. You have to just pump out content. So it's literally just kind of feeling like a hamster on the wheel, unless yeah. you have structure, keep your purpose in mind, like keep your blinders on to compare it to other people. Don't read the comments. So definitely a lot if you're the kind of person that can't handle that type of thing or not not can't handle but like not built to do that kind of stuff I mean I think that's a really I I always remind this remind a lot of people in business coaching wise like with the compare comparison piece I, I used to do that too when I first started and I would be like how is this person putting out all this stuff? And I like, I don't know why I just didn't realize, oh, these people have entire teams. And here I am just me and myself and I, you know, 22 years old. And I'm like getting upset that I can't put out five podcasts a week and 20 Instagram posts and a hundred blog. Like I'm like, you know, people have teams. Um, and yeah, it's like, you have to be so organized. Um, and I think that's probably what, you know, it's a skill I don't have. We all know I'm not an organized person. Um, but it's, it's, it's hard like to me I feel like it's like no days off that's what I mean that's what it is I've never I mean I've done like a lot of things in the food industry and obviously that's hard working in restaurants working being a private chef doing what I do now I work way more than any of those things and like I got rid of like a lot of those things I'm like oh I'm gonna have so much time Mm -hmm. but it fills up with other stuff you want to do because again you have to 
be on all the platforms. You want to be on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. Um, you want to have like the, your services building cookbooks. Like I'm constantly working on other projects while also producing. So my audience and my community can still have valuable like content yeah. readily for them while I'm also doing all those other things too. So I'm definitely never worked more than I do yeah. now, but I also haven't had this much passion for something mm-hmm. or have a sense of like value in a career as much mm-hmm. as I do right now too. Do you feel like you're living your purpose? Yes, absolutely. I feel like I'm living my purpose every day. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. It makes me really happy, you know, yeah. especially like being in the journey mm-hmm. with you. I've talked a lot about how 2024 is the year of committing to ourselves, doing the damn thing, like making it happen. And there's a strong energy early this year about resetting. So I have been reevaluating and resetting all of my routines, in particular my health routine, because that is the foundation of my life. It's how I'm able to do everything else. And this has been coming up for me with channeling. The guides have been kind of reaffirming for me, uh, just really making sure that I am on my game with my health and wellness. Which brings me to one of my all-time favorite companies I have been a fan of for years and years, Paleo Valley. All of their products are made from only organic whole foods. They're gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, dairy-free, and non-GMO. When it comes to supplementation, I feel like this is probably the sneakiest way that people have added crap getting in their diets. Quality really, really matters, and I love that these are all whole foods-based supplements. Again, this is the time of year when I like restock and make sure I'm set up with everything so that I don't have an excuse of I ran out or what's my routine. So I wanna share with you the things I always have in my supplement cabinet that I take regularly that are game changers for me. One, healthy snacks. It is very easy for me if I don't have anything on hand to turn to something not healthy. Yes, I too fall into that. So I set myself up for success. I always have Paleo Valley superfood bars and their 100% grass-fed beef sticks on hand. These are great snacks. It's a great way to add some extra protein into your day. A lot of beef sticks hurt my stomach and these do not. I love the taste. I've tried a lot of different beef sticks and I think these ones taste the best. I love the original ones, but all of their flavors are really good. And with the superfood bars, these are made with over eight organic nutrient-dense superfoods plus grass-fed bone broth protein. My favorite flavors are the red velvet and the lemon meringue. My boyfriend and I literally fight over these bars and I also love to have these as like a healthy quote dessert. They're not unhealthy at all, but they taste like dessert. There's no added sugar, but for me when I'm snacking, I will either go for a beef stick if I want something savory and a superfood bar if I want something a little bit sweeter and satisfies me. I'm not left hungry and I know I am doing something good for my health and wellness. I also make sure to stock up on their bone broth protein. I use this in shakes. This has made a huge difference in my skin, in my hair, in my nails, and other supplements that I stock up on in this time of year. I just did my yearly like restock. The vitamin C, I feel like everybody needs a good vitamin C in their lives. It's great for the immune system. This is made from all organic superfoods as well as their grass-fed organ complex. If you're looking for like a multivitamin, that's better. And Wild Caught Fish Row, uh, my new obsession. I have been on an omega-3 kick. The guides have been bringing up omega-3s again and again, fish, fish, fish. And this doesn't have, you know, a fish row taste, but you're getting all of the health benefits. I feel like this has helped my skin so much. It has helped my brain so much. My cognition is just like next level. That goes hand in hand with like, I think of these kind of going together as things that I've upped in my diet that have made a game changer is also the extra virgin olive oil. So Paleo Valley actually now has organic extra virgin olive oil. 
as you guys know, there's so much crap in most olive oils. A lot of them are just cut with canola oil. Yes, even the good ones you think you're buying at the grocery store. I use olive oil for everything. It is packed with polyphenols, supports against oxidative stress, controls inflammation, great for brain health. So I'm so excited that Paleo Valley now has super high quality extra virgin olive oil. So if you go to paleovalley.com slash CTC, you can get 15% off your order. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com slash CTC for 15% off. Stock up, get your new year started on the right foot and set yourself up for success. I want to ask you about your spiritual journey. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, maybe we can throw some flavor in here because you've seen behind the scenes of me. <laughs> um, and, you know, I don't think, I mean, you definitely were into all of this. Not before. Yeah. No. Yeah. What, what was your journey with that? You know? Yeah. So with spirituality, I used to, I grew up very Christian. Mm -hmm. I came from a very Christian household. I grew up in the Southeast. So mm -hmm. the Bible belt. So that's kind of, I was like super religious. Um, and then moving, going through college, a very liberal arts school, I became less religious per se. And then moving to California, seeing more like open-minded people, being friends with you. Um, I started seeing more of a spiritual fate, like phase of my life versus religious mm -hmm. um because it just started to serve me more and a lot of it had to do with knowing you because before <laughs> knowing you i like didn't know people who are spiritual yeah i just knew people who were religious and being able to be friends with you yeah. and see how much that enriched your life mm -hmm. and how just like working with the energy and working with mm -hmm. your soul purpose and the universe and your higher self and all of that all the benefits that came from that. I was like, Oh, this is cool. So let me ask you, cause I guess I never really asked. So it's like, when you say it like that, is it, was it the tangible benefits or was it more like how I was feeling? Like, what was it? Not the tangible like, benefits. Yeah. It's just more just like how you're living um, and like how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Like, again, I probably, I, I knew you kind of before mm -hmm. all the spiritual stuff. Yeah. So it was just like a different energy, a different, yeah aura I guess you can yeah. say and I'm very I'm like an empath I can feel energy very well so I think I recognize that subconsciously and I was like mm -hmm. hmm, that I would like to live in that calm and peace <laughs> yeah. instead of being like stressed all the time that sounds super nice yeah. so I was always very open to it yeah. and just being introduced by you like for, from you to it and living in California which is mm -hmm. a very much more spiritual space opened my eyes yeah. to that kind of living mm -hmm. instead of, I mean, the religion, it's very, I mean, there's a lot of problems with religion. I don't need to dive into, but yeah. it always felt like I was operating from a place of fear mm -hmm. versus if you're more spiritual it never feels like fearful, it feels like abundant and yeah. loving and peaceful. Well, I'll just let everybody know, you know, I mean, I think about like the, you're, you know, one of the first people I gave, energy healing sessions too you were the first person i trance channeled in front of literally <laughs> it was wild <laughs> and i knew nothing about any of that and well, you were like oh we were in your apartment and Encinitas. and you're like i want to channel in front of you and i was i didn't i don't think i really knew what channeling was like i knew because you told me about it but i didn't really know because i wasn't in that space and i was like okay and you like sat down and started channeling and i was like what the fuck is going on i literally was like i was like she was possessed and i was like 
what is don't this? let the religious people here i know in a good way yeah people, by god well yeah like i mean how did that feel for you i guess like what how did that feel for you that it i was, was doing very that? i don't think i had like a ton of feeling around i felt <laughs> i think i was just like very much in the sense of like observing yeah and i didn't feel and i've always been open to any religion any yeah. spiritual things so as i as back then i was like super christian school still i'm not so much anymore i and it's not like i came from the sense of like oh that was weird yeah I came from the sense of oh interesting like that, <laughs> i was interested and obviously <laughs> I like believed in it because yeah. like I was literally seeing it with my eyes and it was like very much a sense of when you, ch- when you channel yeah. it's a higher being of like love and empathy. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I felt uncomfortable or anything. I was yeah. just like, interesting. What was that? <laughs> it's, it's funny. Like I never really intellectualize this, you know, I never think about it, but it's funny to me as I have made so many changes, you know, you're like, one of the few there's like a handful of people that have really been with me from before to where I'm at now and you know I lost so many you know so many relationships ended got released in that transition like people that Mm -hmm. I was friends with when I was you know health and wellness Christina and then moving into spiritual there's so many people left um and I released so many people you know there's a lot of change and you're like one of the few that was with me through all of it and it's funny to me because I felt I've all, I mean, I always feel so safe with you and I'll go to you first. And I'm like, why did I do that in front of you first? Like when I also simultaneously have a number of friends that are like deep into channeling yeah. and into all this stuff. And you're always like, you know, you're not, it's funny because I think people might similar to me. A lot of people like expect me to be judgmental because I'm opinionated, but I'm really like one of the least judgmental people of all time. Oh, yeah. Like I have to be. Uh, and I'm also opinionated and you're the same, like you're super opinionated, but you're also not judgmental at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's just funny to me thinking about it, like where I brought you into so many of these firsts with things that were so weird and out there. And instead of going to people that I knew were already like could understand, you were just like, okay, you know, I was just like, come on, Kelly. Like, <laughs> and I'm honored always. Yeah. We're just you know, doing it. always first still. And I'm yeah. like, let's hear it. Let's, yeah, let's, let's see it. <laughs> let's do it. You know? And I think that, you know, that was really special for me of like, for you to be in the journey with me, you know? And like, have your own experience with it like when you have your sessions and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and something I wanted to ask about it felt like a breakthrough moment for you and me and I don't even know how old we were um I think you were still in culinary school and I just moved to San Diego do you know where I'm going with this (laughs) and you really needed to cry and so you asked me to to trigger yeah. you to cry <laughs> i was like christina i need to cry i don't think i cried like years at that yeah, point you had it was years. years yeah and <laughs> it was your yeah it was your apartment in san diego and i think it took like a little like an hour or two but we sat down and we just had like a very vulnerable like heart to heart it was like a therapy session mixed with like a spiritual session well do you remember what it what it came to though yeah it came down to at that time i was really struggling with like why would if god is a thing why would he make me go through all of this? Yeah. And I was like, I don't get it. I don't get why I had to go through all this hardship. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, like we talked through everything mm-hmm. and I was like sobbing, you're crying. And it just helped me come to the realization. Like I went through all of that to get to where I am today. And like, yeah. I knew that logically, but like I still hadn't accepted that at that point. And it also helped me get into more of like a spiritual space too. Cause I, 
kept blaming like God or like the universe for whatever. And I was like very bitter about, yeah. even though I was like, you know, successful in what I was doing, I was still very bitter for all that trauma. So that like time like really helped me mm-hmm. kind of get through that. I mean, it was such an, I remember that night it was so intense because like the build up to that question. Like I, I remember like I, yeah. you were like, please trigger me to cry. And I'm trying, I'm going at all these different directions and I'm realizing this isn't working. And then I go, okay, I'm about to go in with the big guns. Like it felt like, like I could feel this thing that you didn't want to talk about. And I'm, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I, we were talking about other stuff and I come mm-hmm. out of the woodwork and I'm like, well, do you believe in God? And you're like, yeah. And at the time, I guess I remember you were like reading the Bible and like stuff like that. Um, you were like in that space, you know, and it was like something you were anchoring to, um, as we do, you know, Mm -hmm. we anchor into like our spiritual connection as we're going through hard times. And I, I remember being like, I can't believe I'm going to say this, you know, but I like went, I was like, so why would God do this to you if he loves you? Mm -hmm. Like, and I, I remember like just the way that cut, like, I just felt like it cut like the, and you, and that is when you started crying. Yeah. I think I like started sobbing at that point. I was like, yeah, I don't know. Because it was like the question I think that was maybe deep within you that you didn't want to you know bring the conscious awareness because Mm -hmm. then it's like you know this is my the paradigm the foundation of how I view the world and I think Mm -hmm. it it was such a powerful moment for me for so many reasons and when you look at you know being in the spirituality space and all these conversations religion versus spirituality we have so much more in common than we do not yeah and how a lot of these conversations in spirituality and or religion and the crossover are so triggering for people or you can expand this out into anything, politics, food, like whatever. We're so triggering for people. But to me, it's like, we have to, we have to look at those questions. Otherwise we don't really know what we believe in. You know, if like, yeah. if we, ha- and I think at the core of a lot of people's trust issues and, and struggles internally and what they're looking for. And when I look at people's relationship issues, problems with money, like this is a, it, it was really powerful for me because going through that with you and asking that question and realizing that with you moving forward in my work with clients, I will tell you to this day, it is something that now I'm able to recognize and it comes mm-hmm. up so often. Like I will, cause now I can see it and I'll bring it back to you. And so let's talk about how you feel about God right now. Yeah. And that's the thing people don't want to talk about. Right. Mm-hmm. But we got to look at that conflicting yeah. question. hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. You know, and like I struggled with that for sure. Like growing up um, and being like, you know, Catholic and, god and god's looking out for god loves me but also like god uh, but also you're telling me that if i you know make a sin like i don't make my bed after my parents told me to i'm going to hell like i don't get it how is that unconditionally loving like i i'm actually afraid of i'm afraid of this person Mm -hmm. you know like i shouldn't fear somebody who loves me Mm -hmm. um and it's a really you know kind of twisted thing that it can turn into and so my question for you is after we brought that up and you're like yeah that is a core piece here of like you know, I'm trying to lean on God for support, but deep down there's a piece of me that blames him. Yeah. Like that's really fucking hard to face. You know, it's like the one thing I can believe in betrayed me. Mm-hmm. And as you shared earlier, it's like that mirrors all kinds of things, you know, in your life of like, I trusted in you and you betrayed me. I trusted in you and you betrayed me. And then here it is with your relationship with God, with source, with divine. And so like, once you realize that, what was that process like of like healing your relationship with God or source or the universe? Like walk me through that. Yeah. So once I realized that and kind of just, well, you just kind of like brought it up and I knew deep down, 
um, I think my relationship with like religion changed to where, again, like you said, all those like rules around religion and like the structures and like why if like you do all these great things for God that like all these horrible things still happen to you that started changing. And I, that was kind of the moment I started to become more spiritual versus religion because I realized religion wasn't really serving me in that way because, you know, all these horrible things happened to me. Why would, why would he let that happen? And really start tapping into, you know, source and the universe instead mm-hmm. of being confined in this space that was also like so hateful too. Mm-hmm. So I think I just needed like that conversation to realize like all this wasn't necessarily serving me and it doesn't, that doesn't make sense why someone like a God would mm-hmm. do that to you mm-hmm. unless, you know, there's, you know, I think now like God is universe and it's mm-hmm. all one and all that stuff and that all of that led me to my higher purpose yeah. and that you have to go through pain to find your purpose. You know, yeah. I read a book on it. <laughs> it did. <Yeah. laughs> um, so. I, don't, and I don't think you have to, you know, I you think that's you always like, have to, but yeah. like often we do, mm-hmm. you know, often we do. And I think, you know, having a conversation with you brought it up for me too, of course. Mm-hmm. Right. Where it's like, of course that's a thing of like, how can, but for me, that's the nuanced conversation of like, no one's doing this to me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if, uh, yeah. In that time for me, it felt like I was being like attacked by yeah. God. And he yeah. like was putting me through all this bullshit. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh no. And that made me realize like, no, like that's not how it really works. Yeah. So how do you think it works now? I think I believe in a higher being of like the universe mm-hmm. and energy mm-hmm. and like unconditional love and i do yeah. think like all religions like all of that leads to you know yeah. the higher being universe like god is the universe it's energy mm-hmm. it's love and that everything we are being put through if we are aligned with love and you know our higher selves that it is for a reason mm-hmm. so i do believe in like everything happens for a reason i do mm-hmm. believe in that if i didn't i'd be like probably depressed yeah so i do think everything we go through as long as we're aligned with you know mm-hmm. the higher being the energy and high vibes and all of that that it's for a reason yeah well let me tell you kelly and i have manifested some wild shit together literally the craziest <laughs> stuff like when we get together weird stuff happens weird stuff always happens yeah and I, we're always so curious what wild shit's gonna go down just buckling up you know <laughs> just getting ready just buckling up why do you think why do you think that happens with us like what do you think it is <laughs> i think there's our energy together i don't know exactly why yeah i think you know we're soulmates on a friend's level mm-hmm. like we're we've mm-hmm. had lives together and so when things <laughs> when we get together energy's like we're sending stuff your way like you're yeah. meant to like do stuff together yeah and all that stuff so it's always fun well i think it's i think it's <laughs> one time we were <laughs> we were in encinitas we're like, what wild shit's gonna go down today? <laughs> and this man, <laughs> are we so allowed weird. to say this? Yeah, I don't this, know. It's not like we illegal. <laughs> stops us on the way to lunch. And <laughs> that whole day was crazy. Now I'm thinking about it. But, you know, step one, we're going to lunch and this man stops us and he's like, <laughs> pulls us into this side alley. It was so sketch. And he was like, do you guys want to make $300 each? <laughs> we're like, um. I was like, Christina, we need to leave. We're going to get murdered. <laughs> we're, it's broad daylight. People are walking by. It's weird. We're unsafe he's like, either. He's like, look, I'm not weird. He's like, I'll show you my children. My name, my name, you know, he's like showing us and we're like, what do you want us to do? He's like, I need you to go down the street <laughs> and buy these. <laughs> 
special golf club heads. <laughs> like a golf club cover. A golf cover. Oh He's like, they won't let me in. I've bought too many already. <laughs> so long story short, it was this whole dramatic thing and it was hilarious. And we ended up going, buying them, and we both made we made three hundred bucks. Yeah, he was yeah. Like, I will match it for you and yeah. give you three hundred dollars. We're like, okay. Yeah. And you know what? I think this is a good like a money <laughs> ma- a money manifestation story and also a business building story because after this, you know, Kelly and I are talking about it. We're like, what do you think he does? Like, he's paying us. He must make a lot of money off reselling these. And then later we ask him, we find out, you know, he's making thousands of dollars. Like, like yeah. you know, he, they cost us uh, $175, I think, each. Mm-hmm. And then he's paying us a couple hundred bucks each. But then he's reselling them for thousands Thousand, of dollars. Yeah. So he's making a big profit. And we're like, do you just, he basically just travels around and finds these and does this reselling process. And I'm like, you know, I'm just bringing this up because you know how it is in my community. Everybody's mm-hmm. complaining about money. And I'm like, there's a million and 50 yeah, no. ways to make money. There's so many ways. And, the f- and we were just like, we're like, great, free lunch. You know, we <laughs> just, we're walking down the street. And I think that's the thing that people don't get. I'm, when I'm talking about like vibrating at the frequency of abundance, like random shit comes in and you just make random, random money. You, you really know? do. It's like, and, and I think one of the things you said that day, um, you were just, we were like laughing about it because we were like should we do it like should we do it it's gonna take an extra 25 minutes and you're like yeah like we're just in it for the plot like yeah, you know like, like, gotta do it for the plot <laughs> gotta like, do it for the plot a story at this point <laughs> yeah and i think i i've been thinking about this where i feel like it's that energy that the thing about you and me because you know you have a different energy with all of your friends like you and i just do weird shit you know like weird shit always, always ha- we're always like getting into trouble we're all, like like we're that kind of friend like, just like let's just have some fun yeah we're just like weird it's a lot of like fuck around and find out yeah. kind of energy and i'm not like that with a lot of my friends but i think bec- it was exactly what you said that day like i'm just in it for the plot like both of us are like that where we hold that energy and then we just manifest more and more experiences <laughs> we're like we get uh-huh. pulled into this random shit because we're like i just want to tell this story like i want to be able to tell the story yeah. you know and so I, it's like for me i'm like i think that's part of why we manifest so many it happens every time we're together too every time something happens last time we were in arizona stuff happened like (laughs) it's always something it's always funny it's always something hilarious yeah um which when we're in arizona kelly i gave kelly a past life regression (gasps) and how was that it was very we actually haven't really talked about it it was very cool yeah Yeah. so christina did gave me a past life regression and at first i was like how's this gonna work and she kind of tapped in it was like energy healing and i was like basically in like a what, hypnotized state yeah. but not really like I, I knew what was happening and we just went through one of my past lives yeah and i it just like came to me and i knew what happened mm-hmm. and it was a very interesting and, and here's the thing sense. for people to know like kelly's not she was ner- i wanted to do it for her because she's skeptical and she doesn't she thinks she's not intuitive but she doesn't see like she's not mm-hmm. seeing or hearing like i think that's important for people to hear because they're like i don't see things like you are here and i'm like does it matter you still know it you know and yeah. in that experience you told me you're just i just knew the answer you mm-hmm. know um but i'm curious because i haven't really even asked you like did that from the information you got or even that experience did anything shift for you like energetically or did yeah i think things were put into perspective yeah and started like clicking with some aspects of my life so long story short of the past life basically i was murdered i was a baker in france and that's why she in, hates baking and makes me pl- do it baking, <laughs> <by accident. laughs> and <laughs> and was like murdered by like a priest a man yeah. and it kind of makes sense it all with comes like together. <laughs> some of my distrusted male yeah. figures and also the whole baking thing so it definitely just 
clicked for some things and mm-hmm. I give myself more grace as to why I might feel some type of way if like yeah. initial feelings for stuff come up and give myself more grace around those things yeah I feel like there was like a piece that entered your field I felt mm-hmm. like through that like it was like oh like this is why I like don't trust yeah I think also Rick my boyfriend was there too and he's always kind of like why don't you trust men like why don't you like a lot of men and I'm like I don't know like, yeah why would I and I think that helped too like oh I was like literally murdered by a man I yeah. feel like I was also murdered by men in many lives oh yeah because I have nightmares about it yeah. all the time yeah so same I think that's a, I mean a lot of women, women like a lot of women come in you know we come in not trusting men and we mm-hmm. don't really know why and there's a lot of that past life you yeah know? um all kinds of stuff that happens so yeah it was super interesting i definitely put things into perspective and like oh like that makes sense yeah. why i'm like that today so highly recommend people do <laughs> past regressions <laughs> just like, kelly's my guinea pig i love it um so where i want to like kind of how i want to close this is i want to talk about this concept of multidimensionality mm-hmm. and i'm curious like what are the sides of you that you think people don't see i think a lot well obviously especially as a creator a content creator people just see me as a chef mm-hmm. and even like acquaintances who don't know me well like maybe like my boyfriend's friends or like people who meet me out and about they just like put me into that category mm-hmm. and i'm like no i'm like much more than just a chef i'm someone who's like passionate about health i'm a super passionate about feminism and political mm-hmm. rights and all of that which people if i talk about that my stories go insane over mm-hmm. but it's definitely something that's a huge part of me like what i do i'm passionate about helping other people um and just like a lot of things in my life that people don't see so it's just more you know there's a lot of dimension yeah and obviously sharing my story today like a lot of people don't know that story about why I do what I do and that's a huge part of what I do Mm -hmm. and keeps me going every day so I think it's important for people to know that kind of stuff well I have this thought often like you know I see it with you because you're one of my best friends so I'm like I don't really look at that much content but I look at yours (laughs) you know and when people say things as they do you know like stay in your lane you know and I'm like you don't even know what the fuck her lane is. Right? Like, I'm like, like that is actually, that is her lane though. Like, yeah. and I think that's the thing is everybody's like running around yelling at each other. And it's like, you don't know people's all the depth of their experience in so many different angles. You know, it's like, yeah. especially when, like when you're talking about politics, for example, or feminism, like you're not talking out your ass. Like you actually like have legit knowledge yeah. and experience and like college studies, like in, yeah. like in that area. And I've like really been through like culinary school. Yeah. I'm working with in a restaurant industry where it's, predominantly male and like you get shit on for being a woman so like it's firsthand experience that i'm coming from Mm -hmm. so i'm like oh i'm just like like this because i like ruth bader ginsburg no i like this because i've been through shit and been treated differently because i'm a woman so that's gonna show in everything that i do because it's you know experience like Mm -hmm. lived experience do you feel like people have responded positively because you share your like your eating disorder story Mm -hmm. a lot like do you feel like people have responded positively yeah i think it resonates with a lot of people especially a lot of people creators don't talk about that Mm -hmm. especially orthorexia yeah so when i talk about that anytime i talk about it people come out and are like thank you so much like Mm -hmm. this like has helped me or like i like i'm thankful that like you're talking about it because a lot of creators you know put in that front that everything's perfect and i'm definitely not that creator i'm not like 
the yeah. aesthetically pleasing one. I'm like, I'm the real one mm-hmm. that like you're going to get the real side of me if you dive in deeper past just the food stuff. Yeah, 100 mm-hmm. percent. Well, you know me very well. What do you think? What do you think are dimensions of me? People don't know about literally so much. I, I mean, I'm sure <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure people see you as like the psychic person who is a higher like energy and all this stuff, which you are. But you also are like a real person that mm-hmm. like you can like do normal stuff with like i feel like a lot of people are like yeah. oh she's like okay, she's not gonna like going out and like going to disney world together oh, you know stuff like yeah. that like you're just like do like real stuff mm-hmm. and you're super fun you're one of the smartest people i know you're Thanks. one of the funniest people i know too <laughs> thank you <laughs> and a lot of people probably don't get to see all yeah. those sides of you which is like mm-hmm. the fun really smart witty playful side too and it's so fun <laughs> If they're lucky enough. Yeah, if they're lucky. my wit. Yeah. But I think that's, you know, like the purpose of these conversations, you know, you only know people in certain contexts. And mm-hmm. I was having this conversation with um, one of my other friends, Sam. And I was like, you only see me in this context. Like, like Sam is incredibly philosophical and intellectual. Very and like, deep. Like, like very Love deep. And her. like, that's, and so when I'm with her, there's this, that dynamic, you know, we're like talking about like the problems of the universe and like deep spiritual concepts and like, it's fun and it's juicy and it's deep. And that's a big piece of our dynamic. And, and when I'm with you, it's like, we're, we can, you know, fuck around and find out, yeah. you know, we're like running around uh-huh. doing, doing stuff. And so, the thing is, it's like, you know, kind of however, however the container is set, like you're going to see that part of people, you know, mm-hmm. like when I, and I think a lot of people, if somebody meets me, let's say through a session for the first time, they think I'm very serious, right? They think I'm oh, like yeah. very serious and intellectual, but it's funny because, you know, when I met Andrew, it's like, we talked about this. He's like, literally, like, I would never say you're, you're serious. Like that was the last word I would ever say to describe you. Like, cause when you get to know me in a dating context, it's like fun and flirty yeah. and like, you know, playing around and like, um, him, like he always says one of the things he's always like most about me is how playful I am and how much of a goofball mm-hmm. I am. Right. But like, if it's the, con- if the setting isn't there, you don't see that side of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I just think there's so much, beautiful healing and like learning and growth when we kind of change those containers a bit and like make an effort to see the other the other sides of people you know that's what I love about people like I want to know the angles that other people don't know yeah that's what's interesting and I think you know with you um I think that that kind of like more emotional vulnerable side is like actually one of my favorite parts about you Mm -hmm. and like you're you're so introspective and I find often some of the most introspective people are like can seem like they're not like you're quiet but like can seem the quietest because they're so in their internal world like moving it around and alchemizing Mm -hmm. it and figuring it out and like um it's such an intense process and I have to kind of like with you like get in there and ask a question like like pull it out of you and I think sometimes you just don't want to talk about it but more it's like you're just not used to talking about it because you're processing it 100%. Yeah, I'm very internal you know? about yeah. that. Yeah. And I think um that's like one of the other like I hear you when it's like yeah, you're not just a chef. You know, you're all of these things and you have this whole range of experience and uh you're you know, people Andrew's always like Kelly's one of the coolest people I've ever met. Like, yeah, you know, she him. has like she's been all over the world. She's modeling, she was doing volleyball, like like she's a professional chef, like you do all kinds of cool things, but it's not just about all those roles you play. It's about 
like all of the emotions you felt too, Mm -hmm. you know, and like all the things that you've been through. And like, I think for you, there's been so much like, and we talked about like validation about, Hey, I'm a good chef. Hey, I'm a good volleyball player. Like, Hey, I'm smart. But you, you, it says a lot about you that like, we've been able to be friends this long. I mean, you do. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I like. I'm wild, right? Literally, it says a lot about you, and I think the the piece that I I want everyone to like know about you is that you're such a safe space, and like you're you're such a loving friend. Thank like you. you know, and like you were actually so you're just so sweet. <laughs> like, which you is know? so funny because like no one ever says that about me because like I have a tough yeah. bitch exterior. Yeah, I know. But That's deep down, yeah, absolutely. Especially with my friends, if you get to be close to me, like I'll yeah. be that person that you can talk to anything about. You yeah, a hundred percent. And like, there's that. I think the thing that I love about we're both the kind of person like we're we're loyal, like loyal to a oh, fault. Yeah. And that's one of the things that's been hardest for me in friendships, especially female relationships. Like loyalty is everything, and people like switch sides overnight like it's all and and that's really hard for me to find you're one of the only people i've ever met that's like i feel like as actually as loyal as me like mm-hmm. would likewise like like step in front of, like go out <laughs> literally yeah <laughs> i will you know and and people can perceive that as like like i said like tough bitch energy but that is actually really coming from like pure love like Absolutely, i love someone yeah. so much like i would do anything for them you know mm-hmm. and so um, I just want to reflect that back and like share that with the, with the rest of the world, you know, because mm-hmm. I think especially the bigger your platform gets, it can be easier and easier for people to put you in a box. Oh yeah. You know, hundred percent. Um, and especially like, you know, you mostly do a lot of short form and all that. Mm-hmm. And like people are looking for real people, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, and I think that's one of the reasons why so many people connect with you, like, cause you're just fully yourself and you talk about all of those things, you know, Thank but you. I'm um, very grateful for our friendship. I'm very Always. grateful. And the best times. <laughs> we have the best times and it's so cool that here we are having this I conversation. Know. It's and crazy. Yeah. It's, I love it. So I want to hear, you know, what's coming up next for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you excited about and what's, what's going on? Um, well, I'm having fun things in my business. So mm-hmm. I made a complete kind of change to fully content creation and just helping value and like serve my community and i'm starting a membership soon where i'm doing online zoom cooking classes once a month so if you ever wanted to learn how to cook more and mm-hmm. do fun stuff like that but not have to go to a 300 dollars class at sur la top yeah check that out it's going to be really fun but yeah just working more closely with people helping people feel more confident have fun in the kitchen is always my goal mm-hmm. so that's the next step in my business i'm super excited about and mm-hmm. then just keep doing stuff like that i'm doing more long form youtubes now to try to you know, I feel like short forms, you can do only do so much. Yeah. And so just again, help more people. Love that. Yeah. That's all. I also feel like that's such a fun thing to do with friends. Like if you do the monthly, like all get together and like learn together, you know? So I love that. Kelly also has a book. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So I have a book. It's called the basics of cooking. I self-published a year ago, about a year and a half ago. And it's, more than a book it's kind of more like a workbook slash crash course in Mm -hmm. the fundamentals of cooking Mm -hmm. so it's really educational it teaches you versus recipes it has recipes of course but it's more of like this if you read this book you're gonna know how to cook yeah and you can reference it like 
you would the Bible, basically. It's like the cooking Bible, <laughs> like cooking the Bible. basics. Yeah. And all of it also has references to video content, long form video content that you get to kind of work through the book with. Mm-hmm. So it's really fun. Yeah. Um, if you and it's good for anyone, really, not just like a very beginners. It's teaches more in-depth stuff, too. So if you just like cooking, like this is something that you would probably value. Yeah. Well, and we didn't even talk about it. I'll probably talk about it some other time. But it's like. <laughs> It's funny how we got led to food and now food. I'm like food, cooking, food, eating together. It's such a spiritual experience. You know, it's such oh, an yeah. important part of culture and coming together and love and, and he- like health. You know, I think both of us came into it like macros and ingredients and like, mm-hmm. yes, that's like ingredients are important, but there's like the energy that goes into it. And there's a reason why like when you cook something for me, I'm going to digest it like way better than if somebody else, because oh, yeah. it's like, it's made with the, love. Yeah. That's the love, what it comes the creativity. Down to. And for me, that's been a really big part of like my spiritual connection too. you yeah. know? So the food is super spiritual. It's life force energy, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. It's life force energy. So we'll put links for all that in, yeah. in the show notes so people can um, learn about that and where all the places they can connect with you just amazing yeah kelly's clean kitchen everywhere um and i think that'll wrap us up for today so thank you for being here thank you so much for having me it's always an honor huge thank you to kelly for coming on the podcast you can find her everywhere at kelly's clean kitchen kelly's clean kitchen.com on instagram and tiktok at kelly's clean kitchen you can search kelly's clean kitchen on youtube to find her there be sure to check out her cookbook the basics of cooking you can get 15 percent off her ebook with the code cooking15 c-o-o-k-i-n-g-1-5 and if you enjoyed this episode be sure to share it to social media tag kelly tag me at christina the channel and tag the podcast page So we can repost you and say a big thank you and maybe send this episode to somebody in your life if you think they would enjoy it. That's going to be it for today's show. Thank you again so much for listening in. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and I will chat with you again next time.